Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Feeling good on this Friday evening in the city of Toronto. Yes, you are listening to The Edge here on TSN 1050, streaming online, tsn1050.ca. Of course, TSN Edge, the TSN's brand new betting and fantasy information portal. So much good content, including a contribution from my boy Derek Taylor, formerly of TSN. Now dominating the airwaves out in Saskatchewan. Very interesting numbers breakdown from my, my man DT. I encourage you to go to TSN Edge on Twitter. You can check out everything on TSN.ca as far as all the great content that the ha- that they have uh, going on. Uh, huge show tonight and a huge weekend coming up for those who like to dabble in some betting and some fantasy. Of course, week three in the NFL, so many great games. We're going to get to all of those throughout the hour-long program. Huge fantasy week uh, in week two. You talk about some massive injuries with Christian McCaffrey going down, Saquon Barkley amongst others, and of course the NBA, the uh, the Western Conference Finals, the Eastern Conference Finals rolling on. The Stanley Cup Final could be the Stanley Cup, I should say, could be given out to, as early as tomorrow night uh, with Tampa with a 2-1 lead. We'll get to that and much more. But first, we need to bring in our man Al's brother to address a significant controversy on Overdrive this evening because, Al's bro, you were on the Jags last night and the mustache really failed you. The beard came through. How are you feeling this evening, my friend? Not very good about it, and to be honest with you, it's what I deserve. I'm a man with a with a beard. I should have went with the beards and not the mustaches, but you know what? Minshew just let me down. I thought that I, I bought into the hype of Minshew mania, and he just played awful last night. They couldn't do anything. They weren't moving the ball, and that defense of the Jags was, was really putrid as well. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was just slicing and dicing them all evening long. A big surprise there, and perhaps some surprises in store when our man the Grappler joins us. Of course, the producer of Overdrive for the debut of the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. We go around the table. It's myself. It's Al's brother. It's the Grappler making our best bets. We each get two of our best bets for the NFL each week, and that debuts a little bit later in the program around 7.40 p.m. But now, Al's brother, let's go. Let's find out what happened and what it means. All right, what happened was that it was a tough night for Al's brother and everyone who bet on the Jacksonville Jaguars minus the three points. But what a week three slate we have to look forward to this Sunday. We have Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in Baltimore to play Lamar Jackson and the Ravens on Monday Night Football. That lined open with the Ravens as three-point favorites, now crossing that key number sitting at minus 3.5. That's right, Patrick Mahomes is a three-and-a-half-point underdog on Monday night. We'll talk to Joe Osborne of Odds Shark about that that significant move um, as far as the odds makers when he joins us in about 10 minutes' time. The Buffalo Bills, they're 2-0, and and they host the 2-0 and L.A. Rams. The Bills are two-and-a-half-point favorites in that one, and that is a game that I guarantee will be of heavy focus for us throughout the program. It's the Raiders. They go west to east on a short week. They're in New England, giving five-and-a-half points to Cam Newton and the Patriots. We'll get into all those games throughout the program. 
on the ice tonight. There's no Steven Stamkos for Tampa Bay. They look to go up 3-1 in the cup final. We know that Tampa won 5-2 in game two. They are a massive minus 500 favor favorite to win the cup. That's right. They're up 2-1, and they are minus 500 to win the Stanley Cup. And if you're into some value, Dallas at plus 350 to come back and win might be something that you could entertain. And as far as the Con Smythe Award goes, yes, you can bet on that too. It is a doozy of a competition. If you like Tampa to win the cup, Victor Hedman's listed at plus 150, Nikita Kucherov at plus 175, and Braden Point at plus 200. And I like Victor Hedman here, considering he has 10 goals. He's the third defenseman in postseason history to score 10 goals, the others being Paul Coffey and Brian Leach. So Victor Hedman's having a huge impact in the goal-scoring department and is one of, if not the best defenseman in the National Hockey League. Let's go to Major League Baseball. The playoffs start Tuesday night, and I think when you're talking about gambling on Major League Baseball and who's going to win the American League and the National League pennant, you have to look at value. And my two favorite bets are the Cleveland Indians, who are red hot. They have the hottest player in Major League Baseball in Jose Ramirez. He's hitting four eighty-five with eight dingers in his last 13 games. And they have a stacked rotation with Shane Bieber, Carlos Carrasco, Zach Plesac. They are 21-1 to to win the World Series. Take a look at that. And... Looking at the National Leagues, if the Cincinnati Reds make the playoffs, they're likely to do so. They could do some serious damage. That rotation is legit. Trevor Bauer, an ace. Luis Castillo, also an ace. And Sonny Gray, we know what he's capable of. They are deep, and they have some potent bats as well. They are 35-1 to to win the World Series, are the Reds. Look at that very closely. And if you're wondering what the Toronto Blue Jays and where they sit... They clinched the playoff spot last night. They are 41 to 1 to win their first World Series of since, of course, 1993, but probably save your money there. And finally, we wrap with the UFC, the second time in history of the sport two undefeated male fighters will meet for an undisputed championship. Israel Adesanya, his second defense of the UFC middleweight title against Paulo Costa, and the fight will headline the UFC's return to Fight Island located in Abu Dhabi. We'll talk to that. We'll talk to Joe Osborne, who will join us next about that week three in the NFL and some some futures bets he has in Major League Baseball, what he's looking at, and if he agrees with my two picks of Cleveland and Cincinnati, the Battle of Ohio in the World Series. Hmm. Very interesting, interesting possibility. I'm Aaron Korolnik. You're listening to The Edge right here on TSN 1050. When you talk about the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy, there is one man who is synonymous with that very thing. His name is Joe Osborne. He's from Odd Shark. And, Joe, it might sound like I'm being facetious, but I am not. I am a huge fan of your work. You do terrific stuff daily for Odd Shark, and it is a pleasure to have you as part of The Edge this evening. How are you, my man? Wow, what an intro, man. I'm doing fantastic. How are you? 
Uh, this is not my first rodeo, Joe. Actually, it is my second rodeo. This is the second edition of the show. Uh, we're doing well here, man. We uh, really appreciate you taking the time because you have some great information to share. And let's get right to it. Uh, I know you are all over the Tampa Bay Bucks this week. They roll into Denver, a team that is besieged by injury. Tom Brady is 4-7 and seven in his career in Denver, but I don't think the prospect of facing Jeff Driscoll is of too big a concern to the GOAT. What do you make of that game? Yeah, I think people are overthinking this one quite a bit, actually. The Bucks are down to minus 5 now. And, you know, I think people might be pinning a little bit too much stock into that Tom Brady record in Denver. Keep in mind that a lot of those matchups were versus some pretty good uh, Denver Broncos teams, right? So, and, well, you know, Brady's 43 years old, right? And people like to make fun of the guy. He's not as good as he used to be. But uh, maybe building a little momentum, a 14-point win there on Sunday versus the Panthers. But, you just got to look at this Broncos offense, man. Here's where they rank in a few key offensive categories through two games. 30th in points per game, 27th in yards per play, 30th in third down conversion percentage, 29th in red zone touchdown percentage, and 27th in sack percentage allowed. You know, you talked about Jeff Driscoll, right? So we're going to think that the Broncos are probably going to try to lean on the run game, and they probably won't have a whole lot of success there. The Bucks are awesome against the run. They're tied for first in rush yards allowed per attempt, and that's a carryover from last season where they ranked first in rush yards allowed per attempt, and they faced some pretty good running backs so far this season. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, that means, you know, Driscoll is going to have to do a lot of that heavy lifting, and he doesn't have a whole lot to work with here, does he? His best receivers have court, and sudden that means his number one receiver is a nicked-up Jerry Judy. He's playing in just his third career game, so... All that said, I think box minus five. I think they win by a touchdown here. It looks like a pretty good spot for them. Yeah, I'm totally with you, Joe. And I'm, I'm very confused as to the as to why the line is moving the opposite way. Not to mention Tampa's getting Chris Godwin back and paired with Mike Evans, who looked a lot more healthy in week two than he did in week one. I could see Tampa putting up a pretty decent offensive performance, and I'm struggling to see how Denver's offense. Yeah, you know, there's sneaky spots every single week on the schedule. I think people might be chalking it up to that. But, uh, you know, I just don't see it with with this Denver team. They should have got beaten a lot worse in week one with the Titans in town. It wasn't for a a bunch of uh, botched kicks there. And, of course, uh, you know, you got to give them credit. They looked half decent in the second half versus Pittsburgh. They ended up covering the spread there. But I think uh, the Bucs, their team that's – you know, they, they, we talked about, you know, not a lot of practice in minicamp, no preseason. So maybe they're going to get some momentum going and build off that big win last week. Joe Osborne from Odds Shark, our guest here on The Edge. And the Las Vegas Raiders are coming off an impressive mm-hmm. win on Monday Night Football against the Saints. They now travel east to face Bill Belichick and the Patriots. A lot of people very impressed, myself included, with what we've seen from Cam Newton. But Derek Carr... Faced Bill Belichick twice. Raiders have scored eight points and nine points in those contests. The Pats are laying six. What's your feel here with the Patriots and the Raiders, Joe? Yeah, I'm on the the chalk side again. I like the favorite here. You know, the Raiders looked awesome on uh, Monday night, and they're a team that very well could push for a playoff spot here. But they're in a tough spot here in New England. And most people, when it comes to injuries, they're going to look at the skill positions, you know, the fantasy guys, the quarterbacks. But the Raiders, their offensive line is really beat up. And when healthy, it's 
one of the best offensive lines in the league, but now Richie Incognito is our Trent Brown, their best offensive lineman, hasn't practiced all week. He's questionable. He didn't play on Monday, by the way, uh, so he might not play. And his backup has been limited in practice, and he's questionable as well. So that's a very bad predicament versus the Patriots because they're generating a lot of pressure, the fourth most quarterback pressure so far this season. So that's going to put a lot of heat on Derek Carr. And then you take a look at the uh, the Patriots. Very efficient on offense. Uh, they rank fourth and third down conversion percentage, and that's an awesome spot because the Raiders are 30th in opponent third down conversion percentage. Then you look at the Patriots. You know, they are coming off a loss in Seattle. Very close game, you know, a bit of a coin flip game. Uh, if Kame could have ran that in, people would be feeling a lot better about them. But Patriots, so much better at home. They've won 23 of their last 26. Meanwhile, the Raiders don't travel so good. Four and 16 in their last 20 road games. And they also, you know, they're coming from the West Coast. And some people put too much stock into this, but they tend not to travel well to the East Coast. Just three and nine against the spread in their last 12 games in the early afternoon time slot. I want to stick in the AFC East. Of course, the Buffalo Bills, they're 2-0. and They host the Rams and the Bills two-and-a-half point favorites in this one. I am very conflicted here because I'm very impressed with what I've seen from Josh Allen and the Bills, but they've beaten the Dolphins and the Jets. How much can we really take from those two wins, especially with the Rams coming into town who have been very successful under Sean McVay in the month of September? Yeah, I mean, you can't really take much away from the Bills based on, you know, they did win those games, but, uh, you know, in that second half versus the Jets, it didn't look so good. They did let the Dolphins back into that game, and Miami did cover the spread. Meanwhile, uh, the Rams, you know, last year, Sean McVay, he was, uh, you know, the toast of the town for his first couple of years as a head coach, and then things kind of fell apart a little bit last season. They didn't make the playoffs, and they rebuilt the roster over the off season, and they look pretty good. A big win in the season opener against Dallas. Then they go and uh, beat the living crap out of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they stayed on the East Coast here, and they are underdogs. And I would definitely lean Rams in this one. I think this is one that I'm just going to sit back and enjoy because it's too close to call. And, you know, it's only week three of the season, so we only know so much. And teams have played different levels of competition. But I think we're going to find out a lot about the Buffalo Bills. If they are a true contender, you know, they have to win this game. And if the Rams end up winning, they're probably better than a lot of people expect that they would be, right? And I think they're going to be a contender to get back into the Super Bowl if they can pick up a big win in Buffalo instead of the season 3-0. and Joe, I mentioned how this is the second ever episode of The Edge here on TSN 1050. So it is your great fortune to listen to the first ever edition of Meaningful Stat or Meaningless Number. Show me the meaning. Is this a meaningful stat? A meaningful, I took it about meaningful, add that word, meaningful. Or a meaningless number. Facts are meaningless. You can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely true. What do you mean? A lot of very impressive production here at TSN 1050. Thanks to my man Chris Diavero for cooking that one. I'm going to ask you if this is a meaningful stat or a meaningless number, Joe. So here we go. In the last five seasons... Teams that are 0-2 against the spread have covered 68% of the time in Week 3. Is that meaningful or meaningless? I think it's meaningful, and that's something that I've been looking at this week, too. And I, I think, you know, you have these teams that get off to bad starts, and there tends to be a bit of an overreaction coming in 
to week three, right? So the, people tend to downgrade them. People tend to bet against them. Look at the Thursday night football game. The Jacksonville Jaguars had no business being a three-point favorite over a Dolphins team that lost two games versus the Bills and Patriots that people expected that they would lose anyways. So we're seeing a couple situations this week where you have a team like the Dallas Cowboys. They're 0-2 against the spread. I think they're undervalued as a five-point underdog playing in Seattle against a defense that's not very good in the Seahawks. And another spot I have my eye on, one of those sneaky ones, with the team that's 0-2 against the spread, is the Houston Texans. They are in Pittsburgh as a four-point underdog. And look at the competition each of these teams have played. Now, mind you, the Texans weren't even close, but they did play against maybe the best two teams in the league, the Baltimore Ravens and Kansas City Chiefs. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh beat up on the Giants in Week 1, and they kind of barely snuck by the Denver Broncos in Week 2, two teams that will be picking in the top 10 of the draft. So I do think there is something to that. There tends to be a lot of overreaction early in the season. And, guys, it's a week-to-week season. It is a long season, too. So I do think that is a meaningful stat. I am totally with you on the Texans this week in Pittsburgh. And you think about playing Baltimore. You think about the Thursday nighter they played against Kansas City to open the season. You cannot possibly have two more difficult opponents. Giving four points are the Texans in Pittsburgh this week. I think that's a definitely a spot to look at, perhaps even on the money line. Second question, second stat I have for you, or meaningless number. The overs are 20-12 and 12 this season. That is the third highest over rate in the first two weeks since 1986. What do you make of that? Is that meaningful or meaningless, Joe? Um, it, it's kind of meaningless because odds makers always adjust, right? And that's going to even out over the course of the season. Now, it's not going to adjust right away, meaning we're not going to see a ridiculous amount of unders here in week three. But odds makers always adjust, right? So who knows what the reason is? I think. Uh, Something I, I heard that there was a lot less offensive penalties in the first two weeks uh, this season compared to previous ones. So, like I said, though, as a result of all those overs, uh, sports bettors might go in and they might want to pound the overs for Sunday's games, right? But odds makers, uh, they know how to make their money, right? So they're always going to adjust. So uh, probably meaningless, but uh, one to pay attention to. Joe Osborne, our guest here from Odds Shark, he is their sports betting analyst and a very exciting card tomorrow night in the ufc joe ufc mm. 253 israel adesanya minus 180 against paulo costa that is the main event i guess the co-main event is dominic reyes against and i'm going to struggle to say this jan blahovich you like that pronunciation joe blahovich oh. all right well <laughs> i i struggle i struggle with pronunciations on the best of days what are your best bets for ufc 253 tomorrow night yeah, it's a bit of a top-heavy card, but there's a few good spots in the main and co-main event. So, first of all, the Adesanya versus Costa fight. I think the value's uh, kind of flying out the window a bit on Adesanya. At the start of the week, you could have got him at minus 165. Now you're seeing him at minus 185. But uh, I do like him to win. I think it is a very bad matchup for Costa. He's the type of fighter. He's a take-a-punch-to-land-a-punch type of guy, and I think that's an absolutely awful approach versus a guy like Adesanya, who has that pinpoint striking, you know, very special movement. And Costa, he's bringing so much pressure, but you see it, it absolutely zaps his cardio, and in turn, it affects his defense. So I think the longer and longer the fight goes, Adesanya is going to find an edge. But I think maybe the best bet for that fight is you can get over two and a half rounds at minus one. 40. So check out this organizational-wide trend 
in the UFC. So there's been 13 title fights in the UFC in 2020 so far. Nine of those went over the two-and-a-half-round mark. Also, 11 of the last 14 non-title main events have gone over two-and-a-half rounds. So you still have to apply that to this fight, though. So you take a look at these two guys. What's the obvious thing about them? Well, they're both each undefeated, and neither of them has ever been finished. You look at Adesanya, he's gone to decision five of his eight UFC career fights. And Costa, this guy's extremely durable. His last fight, he was on the wrong end of 125 significant strikes from Yolo Romero. He got absolutely lit up, and he didn't go down. So I like that one to go over two and a half rounds. And uh, the Colombian event there for the light heavyweight title, um, I don't know if I'm going to bet it, but I think Reyes is overvalued here, minus 280. Uh, I don't think he's that much better than B- uh, Blakowicz or Bukovic. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, ah, whatever. Uh, no one knows how to say yeah. any, any of these names. Yeah, people know who this guy is, right? For but, sure. Uh, that- that's another spot. Like it's a five-round fight. You have two very good fighters, and the over and that one said over two and a half rounds as well. And the over for that one is minus one thirty. And you know it's kind of common sense that we're seeing. Uh, you know when it is a UFC title fight or a main event, it's kind of common sense why it would go uh, a little bit longer. You know if you're in a UFC event or, or main event, you're probably a considered to be a really good fighter and one of the best in your weight class. So it's unlikely that you're going to be destroyed early. It's unlikely that it's going to be easy for your opponent to put you away. So I do like the over two and a half rounds in each the main event and co-main event. I can guarantee you that if I decide to wager on our aforementioned fighter and he is able to win that's that, that fight, and I win some money, Joe, I think I'll be able to pronounce his name the next time we speak. I want to get you out of here on this. Of course, we know the playoffs in Major League Baseball start on Tuesday. I'm seeing some juicy value as far as teams that I think can make significant runs at quality prices. And two examples that I listed earlier were the Cincinnati Reds, who have yet to clinch, but you can get them for around 35-1 to to win the World Series, and the Cleveland Indians. Both of those teams have absolutely stacked rotations at the top. They have potent bats, and they have realistic chances to go deep, and you can get them at nice numbers. Are you are you with me on those two teams, and do you have another suggestion for our audience? Yeah, I mean, I do like the Reds. The, the Reds were everyone's sleeper pick coming into the season, right? Then people soured on them, and now they've uh, they've gotten hot. They're 9-2 in their last 11 games, and one thing that I put a lot of stock into for the MLB playoffs is uh, getting hot at the right time, which the Reds are and depth of starting pitching. Like, look at the World Series last year. You had the Astros with Verlander, Cole, and Granke versus the Nationals with Scherzer, um, uh, Corbin, and Strasburg. There you go. uh, Yeah, so you don't have too many examples of that this year with teams who have the solid one, two, three in the rotation. The Reds are an example of one of those teams with Barra, Castillo, and Sonny Gray. So uh, the hitting has been uh, below average to, uh, to to put it lightly for the Reds. They haven't been that strong offensively this season. But, you know, in, in the MLB playoffs, you have guys who come out of nowhere. So if they can get a few of those bats heated up a little bit for them. Uh, and the Cleveland Indians are a similar team, you know, very stacked at the start of that starting rotation at the top of that rotation. With uh, with Bauer and Plezak, a guy who absolutely loves the nightlife, right? No, he doesn't oh, yeah. care about those COVID restrictions. Or no, anything, he just wants to win. 
Yeah, 100%. But, uh, you know, when we saw him uh, have a great game uh, against the White Sox there last night, but they're another team that's offensively challenged, but their bullpen is absolutely great. You look at the two teams that are favored to win the World Series, and I don't see a whole lot of value, right? Like no uh, the Dodgers at plus 350, probably the best team on paper, but we see them fall flat year after year after year in the playoffs. And one thing that people are missing out on here is that Mookie Betts, he hasn't been good in the playoffs. 99 career postseason at Betts. He has just a 654 OPS. Uh, similar numbers for Cody Bellinger there. Then you take a look at the Yankees. Uh, they're pretty uh, strong at the start of that rotation with Garrett Cole, and Tanaka has been fantastic in postseason throughout his career. But their bullpen is supposed to be the strength of that team, and they've been one of the worst in the league down the stretch here. So I don't like the Yankees. One team that could make a little bit of noise is the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, we talk about that depth of starting pitching. Snell more than glass now at the top of the rotation. Second-best record in baseball, but... In terms of offense, no one in that lineup scares you. Plus, Cash, the manager, he tends to overmanage that bullpen a little bit, right? You know, you could have one of these starters having an excellent game, and he'll yank them in the fifth inning if analytics say to do so. So uh, it's going to be fun, man. I hope the Blue Jays can make a little bit of noise. They don't really have that pitching. But yeah. uh, it's, it, MLB playoffs, man, it's just like the NHL. It's not always the best team on paper that wins. Yeah, I'm looking at the MLB playoffs as a complete crapshoot. I can't believe the Dodgers are plus 350. They have to play a best two out of three series, and if they get past that, they have to play a best three out of five. There is way too much luck involved in this. All it takes is an injury to a pitcher or something freaky happening, and your team could be out really quickly. That's why I'm liking the bigger underdogs as potential big-money sleepers. And, Joe, we thank you for your time. So much great information that can be found on Odds Shark. We thank you for this. We encourage our audience to follow you on Twitter and keep up with all your great work. So take care, my man. Have a great Friday night. Awesome, my man. Good luck to you, and good luck to all the listeners out there. Thank you very much. That is Joe Osborne from Odds Shark. And a lot of good intel there. A lot of good intel. And if you like the UFC, you like Major League Baseball, and you like the NFL, he is a man to watch, certainly on social media. Coming up next, another man to watch, Dom Padula. He is the overlord of TSN Edge. He runs the show, and he has some big week three leans for you, as well as some fantasy information that you need to hear. Don Padula of TSN Edge, next, here on The Edge. Back here on The Edge on TSN 1050. We're streaming online, tsn1050.ca. Of course, subscribe to the podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. And rate and review. Give some good positive ratings because we need them. And they give us some good self-validation, which everyone needs at this point in time. A man who needs no self-validation is the co-founder the lead producer of TSN Edge. His name is Dom Padula. And if you've been following TSN Edge on Twitter and certainly on tsn.ca, the amount of content that comes out on a daily basis is staggering. And the man behind it is Dom Padula. What's going on, Dom? Aaron, it's great to be on the show. You guys have done a great job so far. I'm just happy to be a part of it. Absolutely. Would have it no other way. And you are an NFL guy, my friend. You know the league inside and out. And I want to start with a discussion about teams that are 0-2. 
And there are 11 teams that are currently at 0-2. And we know that over the last 20 years, teams that start 0-2 make the playoffs only 13% of the time. If you had to bet, Dom, on one of the 11 teams to bounce back and make it to the postseason, who would be your selection? Well, Aaron, uh, I should probably preface this by pointing out what you said, which is that you know the number of teams that start 0-2 and go on to make the playoffs has hovered around 10 12% over the last 20, 30 years. That includes none of the teams that started 0-2 last year that went on to make the playoffs. When I look at this year's list, you know, you see the Jets, the Giants, the Panthers, Bengals, Falcons, even the Lions and the Vikings, uh, Broncos and Texans. These are teams that I didn't really have to make the playoffs when I made my initial, uh, initial projections. Um, so them starting 0-2, it's definitely not going to change my outlook for any of them. Um, but the one 0-2 team that I did initially project to be in the playoff picture, that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the problem is that a large part of that product, uh, projection was based on the idea that the Eagles couldn't possibly have worse injury luck than they did last year. Uh, Carson Wentz essentially dragged that team to the postseason. They were the best team in an otherwise really mediocre division. Um, that hasn't been the case so far for Philly. They've been beating up on both sides of the ball. And something that I didn't expect was that Wentz has really struggled early on. Um, last year, Wentz, he had seven interceptions in 16 games. This year, he's already up to four interceptions in two games. Now, the injuries haven't helped, especially with the problems on the offensive line. Um, but if there's a silver lining, it's the same situation as last season where the Eagles only need to do one thing to make the playoffs, and that's be the best team in the NFC East, which means finishing with a better record than the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Washington football team yep. just to get in the postseason. So, I mean, I remember last year Philly was sitting at three and four through seven weeks, and we were talking about, you know, can they catch the Dallas Cowboys? Um, what would it take for them to get into the playoffs? And then six weeks later, they were still a couple games below 500, um, and they went on a four-game win streak, and they beat the Cowboys in Week 16. That was a week that Wentz was throwing to Dallas Goddard and Greg Ward. Miles Sanders had a big game. Um, but they ended up uh, putting together four straight wins and beating the Cowboys to finish atop the NFC East and get into the playoffs. Uh, so am I confident that the Eagles will turn things around? Well, they're going to finally have to get some better injury luck. They've been on an absolutely brutal streak of injuries dating back to last season. Uh, Wentz is going to have to play better. But, I mean, Dallas is one of the worst special teams executions in NFL history away from being 0-2 right now. And the Cowboys, they play Seattle this week. So if Philly beats the Bengals at home and Dallas loses to the Seahawks, the Eagles are tied for the NFC East League just like that. Wentz has to play better. I'm guessing that eventually their injury luck will turn for the better. Um, but right now, when I look at these teams that are 0-2, I don't love any of them. It's just that the Eagles were the one team that I initially had amongst the playoff contenders. So if they could play just a little bit better and keep pace with the Cowboys, I think that they would have the most likely chance of those 0-2 teams to turn things around.
He is Dom Padua, the co-founder and lead producer of TSN Edge. Make sure to check out all the content on Twitter at TSN underscore Edge. Enough with the 0-2 teams, Dom. Let's talk about 2-0 and teams like Kansas City and Baltimore. They match up on Monday night. Baltimore, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, hosting the defending champion. Patrick Mahomes, a three-and-a-half-point underdog to anyone is surprising to me. What do you make of that number and KC's ability to stage the upset, Dom? Yeah, so, I mean, nobody's going to write off Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs after what they did last season. I think we can both agree that the Chiefs and the Ravens are right near the top of the NFL in terms of power rankings. Going into the season, I had the Chiefs at one, defending Super Bowl champions, the Ravens at two, right there on the precipice of being a team that could contend for a Super Bowl. This game reminds me a lot of last year's matchup between the Ravens and the Patriots. The Ravens were kind of cruising along at that point. They were 5-2, and two, but they had lost to the Chiefs and the Browns early on. We hadn't really seen their max potential, what they were capable of. And then they played the previously undefeated Patriots, and they made an absolute statement in that game. Lamar Jackson went off. He had 163 pass yards. Three total scores. They ran the ball over the Patriots from start to finish. I think they finished with over 200 rushing yards. Um, This reminds me of a similar spot in terms of we know what Baltimore is capable of. And I know going back to the offseason that when John Harbaugh saw the schedule, he had this game circled as one where Baltimore would have an opportunity to make an absolute statement. You know, going back to last year's playoff disappointment, the Ravens, were arguably the best team in the NFL at that time. And they laid an absolute egg against the Titans in a tough matchup. What I thought was probably the toughest matchup they could have run into in the playoffs. Now they've had an entire offseason to recover. They've game planned for this. They know what it is. It's the defending Super Bowl champions, a chance to make a statement at home. I don't, I'm never going to dismiss Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They've, they've been the best team in football for a very long time. They've proven that they're never out of games, but in this spot with the Ravens at home and how much this game means to them, what they've done on both the offensive side of the football and the defensive side of the football, and knowing that Harbaugh's probably got a couple of special things planned for this game, I'm going to lean towards Baltimore here. And I know, you know, a lot of people will say, well, what have they done? You know, against Kansas City Chiefs defending Super Bowl champions. How can you dismiss the Chiefs? I'm not dismissing the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a close game. But in this spot, I'll lean towards the Ravens. Dom, I need to get your take on the Survivor Pool situation in Week 3. Week 1 was pretty ugly for NFL Survivor Pools. There was a couple of big upsets. A lot of teams were eliminated. Week 2, basically everybody moved on. And in Week 3, it seems almost too obvious that I should be taking the Colts, who are hosting the Jets, who are just dreadful. Is it that clear that I need to take the Colts, or is there somebody else I should be considering? Yeah, you know what? It's funny. I was talking in the newsroom with Rod Smith about this earlier in the afternoon. Name drop. Said, Nicely done, Dom. Well, I said the exact same thing to him. I said the obvious pick this week is the Colts. are playing the Jets. I, I can't see myself taking anybody else. Usually I like to hedge my survivor pool picks. I don't like to go all in on any one team. Obviously, if you did that week one, uh, it was disaster, and that's what Rod pointed out to me. I, I was telling him, I was saying, I'm going to be all in on the Colts. I can't see myself taking anyone else. And he said, you know what, it's funny because a lot of people that probably took that approach in week one aren't making survivor pool picks this week because of it, that upset to the Jags. But that said, 
I mean, the Colts, are they going to be upset twice in the first three weeks? I don't think so. Hopefully they learn their lesson week one. And even though the Jaguars upset the Colts in week one, there's nothing about this Jets team that I like right now. I look at what they've done coming out of the offseason. Sam Darnold gets a lot of the blame for the way the Jets have started, and a lot of people are quick to criticize him. But in terms of supporting what was a third overall pick just a couple of years ago, I mean, is there a young quarterback in the league that is in a worse situation than Darnold right now? Because I can't think of one. They've had problems on the offensive line. Their top two pass catchers right now are Jamison Crowder and Chris Hogan. They don't have a reliable run game, even though they brought in Le'Veon Bell last year, who's now injured. They're always playing from behind. And now they got to go on the road at Indy with absolutely no momentum after a couple of double-digit losses. I just I can't see a spot where they lose this game. I know Indy opened at minus 8.5. They're up to minus 12 at some spots. Ooh. I really genuinely don't know if that's high enough. So um, <laughs> right, now, right now, as far as I'm concerned, I'm all in on the cold. I take this as a bye week. You know, hey, Maybe I regret saying this at the end of week three, but there just doesn't look like there's a better spot on the board right now than Indian week three. I didn't take them in week one. I'm all in on them in week three. I will say, if you decide to bypass Indy and take someone else and Indy was to somehow lose to the Jets, your survivor pool will be down to a very select few. So perhaps some strategy there. Dom, as always, well, I guess this is your debut of many appearances here on The Edge on TSN 1050. Thank you for the time. Keep up the great work. And again, follow the TSN Edge on Twitter at TSN underscore Edge. Thanks, my man. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Aaron. All right, that is Don Padua, the co-founder and lead producer of TSN Edge. The grappler is on the line. Al's brother is here. Pound the table. Picks of the week coming up next. You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik, giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Hammering home conviction. Stop the hammering. It's the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. Where's the hammer? On the Edge with Aaron Karolnik. When I pitched this radio program to our boss, Jeff McDonald, I had two demands. Well, just one demand. I need both Al's brother and the grappler as part of the program. And he agreed. And we make it happen tonight with the Pound the Table Picks of the Week Myself, Aaron Karolnik, with Mike DiStefano. Yes, that is his name, not Al's brother. Um, not uh, I mean, Most people would know him as Al's brother. And, of course, the grappler, Keith Bauer. Join me now. Let's start with you, Graps. How's your Friday night going? Uh, it's going good. Uh, happy to be on with you. I'm still just uh, I'm trying to recover after that uh, Channing Crowder interview about uh, an hour and a half ago, maybe. I don't know if you heard it, but he was something else. Had a ton to say about his time in the clink, uh, LeBron wow. James, um, you know, what he loves about Buffalo so much. And no, it was uh, it was a heck of a chat. So check it out if you haven't already. Time in the clink, something you can relate to very well, Graps. And uh, Al's brother, we already heard from you earlier this uh, this evening, so we don't need to do it again. But the Pound the Table Picks of the Week, this will be a weekly installment here on the Edge Radio where us three esteemed gambling degenerates will make our picks, and if we're right, there will be great glory. And if we're wrong, there will be great shame. Some shame on our man Al's brother last night as he took the Jaguars, but he can atone for it tonight with his two picks. Take it away, Al's brother. All right, so my first bang-in-the-table pick 
for this week is going to be Buffalo. And I know that uh, Joe Osborne is on the Rams. I'm going against the grain with our man Joe. But I just think that, you know, Josh Allen has his offense cooking. He leads the league in passing coming into week three. Jalen Ramsey will certainly be out there causing some problems. But Stephon Diggs has been a beast. Near perfect on 50-50 balls this year. I think he'll come down with a lot. Um, Buffalo's got a top five defense. And in order for Jared Goff to be effective, I think the Rams are going to need to establish the run. Buffalo's got the third best rushing defense through two weeks. And with Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano likely to return this week, I like their odds of shutting down Brown and Henderson in the run game, which puts the ball in Goff's hands. And I'm not betting on Goff to win this game, especially against that defense. So I'm going Bills minus two and a half. And then my other game that I'm picking, I'm banging the table for the Tennessee Titans minus two and a half over Minnesota. The Packers put up 43 on them in week one. Colts 28 in week two. The rookie running back, Jonathan Taylor, running for over 100 yards on them last week. Derrick Henry is going to just mow down that defense, which is very shorthanded coming into this week. And let's be honest, Kirk Cousins stinks. So I'm taking the Titans <laughs> minus two and a half. Those are my picks of the week. All you right, like that. Are, you like that. Those are Al Al's Brothers picks of the week, <laughs> and we get them not only on Overdrive, I guess on Mondays and Thursday nights, but now on Friday nights as well, three nights of Al's Brothers picks. Does life get any better? If it doesn't, that would be very sad. All right, Grappler, your two picks. Bang the table, buddy. Okay, my first pick, I am going to bang the table for Joe Burrow. Um, I love what I've seen him. Or, I'm sorry, I guess I should explain the game first. Bengals at Eagles, minus four and a half to the Eagles. I am taking the Bengals. I love what Joe Burrow has been doing through two weeks, uh, especially against the Browns last week. That Bengals offensive line is brutal, but the guy looks poised. He just keeps on getting up. Joe Mixon has kind of struggled through two weeks of the year. He's due for a breakout game. You got A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd on the receiving side of the ball. Drew Sample kind of made a name for himself last week. So I really like what the Bengals can bring to the table on the offensive end. Defensively, they will have their struggles, but you go to the Eagles side of things. Carson Wentz has just looked awful through two weeks. I don't know what he's been trying to do. Doc, Doc Peterson's just kind of, he seems, I don't know, a little all over the place. Something seems off with Zach Ertz. I don't know if he's banged up or unhappy because the Eagles haven't paid him yet. But the Eagles just look brutal. The only player on the Eagles' side of the offensive side of the ball that worries me would be Miles Sanders. Uh, but I think as long as the Bengals can load up the box, keep him contained, you've got to take the Bengals not only to cover at 4.5, but I think they're going to get the win too, and that will be Joe Burrow's first win of his career. So that is one game. Number two, got Packers at Saints. I am taking the Packers to cover. The spread makes no sense to me, frankly. I do understand yeah. that the Packers aren't going to have Devontae Adams, which is a huge loss. But Rodgers looked as, looks as good as he has in the last 10 years through two weeks. Offensive line is holding up and, up, and Aaron Jones has just been phenomenal. Had a huge game last week against the Lions. Expect that to continue. And then you look at the Saints side of things. Drew Brees is looking his age. His ball just doesn't quite have the zip, zip that it used to. You got Michael Thomas out. I mean, other than Jared Cook, I don't see much on that side of the ball that you can actually throw the ball to. Emmanuel Sanders is still kind of getting used to his new surroundings. Can't just keep handing the ball off to Alvin Kamara every play. I'll end this now. I do think Jameis Winston will be the Saints starter <laughs> by the end of the season. But anyways, wow. take, the, take the Packers over the Saints. They're getting the win and obviously covering the spread at three and a half. Raps, you should have led with that hot take. Where was that at the beginning? We would have you on the, the, the Edge radio show every day if you're dropping uh, hot I, takes I, like I, Winston I, over Breeze. Yeah, I, I jumbled over my uh, Joe Burrow excitement. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll try it again next week. All right, we're right up against the clock. I'm loving the Rams this week, laying the two and a half points, mostly because Al's brother's on the Bills. Easy fade there. But Sean McVay in the month of September as the coach of the Rams, 
11 and 2 straight up with a point differential of almost 15. I love the Rams there. And finally, Jeff Driscoll's the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Tom Brady is the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think the offense just banged up for Denver to the point where they cannot compete with Tampa Bay. Aaron Karolnik, it's Al's brother, it's Grappler, it's Pound the Tables, Picks of the Week. You've been listening to The Edge right here on TSN 1050.